This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast. Sam Orlick here. What's up, guys? It's summer. So much going on with the Golden State Warriors since winning the NBA Finals. We got a ton of stuff to unpack. Free agency, new draft picks, some beloved faces have left, some new faces have entered. We've had some uh, coaching staff turnover as well. We got Summer League underway, James Wiseman set for his debut, rumors of a Kevin Durant trade, Joe Lacob talking about salary and and all of that. So we got a special guest today, Corey LeBeau, back in action, back on the show. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Corey. Hey, Sam. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty great. How are you? I'm doing good, bud. Doing good. Summer's here. The boys are in Vegas. It's exciting times. Very nice. Very nice. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you on as always. We got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened over the last few weeks through the draft and free agency and a lot to dig into here. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of whiplash, right? They win the title. We celebrating the championship and then immediately going into retooling, rebuilding next year. What's the moves? It's uh, I feel like we didn't even get a chance to breathe really to celebrate before we had to say, and we'll get into this before we had to say goodbye to some key people. Yeah. If I remember correctly, like the finals, the game six, of the finals was maybe like on a Sunday or something like that. And the draft was like three or four days later on a Thursday. So it's literally what you just said, like three, four days turnaround and we're already thinking about next season and kind of moving past the incredible feat that they accomplished winning the title um, where so many people didn't even have them, you know, in the conversation. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. Let's stay on that for just one second because it's pretty interesting seeing the turnaround of when the Warriors were down two to one against Boston. It was like Boston is younger. They're more athletic. They've played tougher teams and they're just better than the Warriors. The Warriors are a little too old. And then slowly but surely, starting with that like game four, remarkable, incredible, just like pantheon level performance by Steph. They just slowly broke them down and out-toughed them, out-skilled them, out-fought them, and outplayed them. And it's kind of interesting that the narrative around it went from Boston being so good to, oh, they don't know how to dribble, like what's going on with them? They beat themselves. And it's like, can we just give the Warriors some credit here for completely striking back against a younger, stronger opponent and just winning through what we said all along, this championship poise. It was great to see. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I felt like, you know, Andre Iguodala said that I think after game three, they figured them out. Uh, Tatum and Brown can't go left. So they forced them left every time. And then they figured out some defensive schemes. And in that game four, when they finally started to blitz Curry, um, or sorry, after game four, when Curry went off in game five, they started to blitz Curry because you're not going to let him go off for 40 points again. I mean, at that point, they're just, 
then you just start getting everyone else involved in the offense because you're having to send multiple defenders at Curry. So, um, you know, yeah, it goes back to championship poise and experience, the coaching staff, the players, they've been through this before. It's the chess match. They didn't overreact getting down early in the series and waited for the opportunity to make adjustments accordingly. And, you know, Boston's a young team and I think they have a bright future as a franchise ahead of them, but it's going to take some time. Um, and we'll see, you know, in the future, what, what that holds for them. Um, but then, yeah, for everyone else, I, I felt like, you know, as Warriors fans, we always get a little asterisk next to our titles. Oh, you know, everyone was hurt or you played a Boston team that beat themselves. It's like, who cares the reasons they won? It's hard enough to do it. Yeah. You know, you can't take away the achievement, the accolades, the accomplishments. And, totally. you know, haters going to hate. So Absolutely. I try not to let it's, that get to me. <laughs> it's like what they say, what, what some people say on uh, Warriors Twitter. It's like, yep, the Warriors remain never winning in hypothetical matchups. They're 0-25 in all the hypothetical matchups. If John Morant was healthy or if uh, Chris Paul was healthy or anything else. Uh, but, you know, we can only play who we play and they win each time. So, uh, yeah, haters going to hate. Exactly. So let's, let's get into it here. Um, you know, maybe let's start with free agency. So, you know, unfortunately you lose Otto Porter Jr. He signs with Milwaukee on a two-year deal. You lose Gary Payton the second. He signs with Portland on a three-year deal. Uh, Warriors offered contracts to both those guys. I think Otto Porter mm-hmm. was offered a vet minimum. Um, Milwaukee gave him a two-year 12 million. Uh, Gary I think Payton. that was Toronto, right? Isn't Otto Porter in Toronto? Yeah, I'm sorry. I got that. <laughs> no problem. I got that wrong. <laughs> Toronto. Thank you. Um, so they did offer Otto Porter Jr. another vet minimum deal, basically the same thing he got last season, but he wanted to take take the money, make sense, you know, tough decision. He talked about that a little bit. Gary Payton the second, they offered him the MLE, which was – what they ended up giving Dante DiVincenzo, which we'll get into in a second. But um, Portland offered him a three-year, $29 million contract, which the Warriors just simply could not afford for three years. And for GP2, you know, he gets his first real big payday. So makes sense. Um, he's willing to take that money. Thank God the Warriors re-signed Kevon Looney. Three-year, $25.5 million contract. Um, third year has $3 million partially guaranteed so Looney I think was the most important of those three to bring back and so I was really happy to see that you could and you could see based on what other players in his range or his position were going were going for you know he could have gotten a lot more um in Los Angeles the Clippers they gave um shoot what's the center's name I'm blanking on his name yeah, there are guys like Isaiah Hartenstein and a bunch of random kind of backup centers getting some pretty big paydays that make Kavon Looney's number look really small in comparison. And I'm kind of, you know, I have mixed feelings about it, Sam, because on the one hand, it's like, yes, the Warriors are already have a record-breaking budget. They're trying to clip costs around the edges as much as possible. It's great to get them back on the lower end. On the other hand, I feel sad for Kavon. This dude just had the greatest postseason run of his career, was basically the starting center 
Uh, I lost you for a minute. You're back now. Oh, cool. I'm sorry about that. So I was just saying, you know, uh, you know, Kavon Looney, best postseason run of his career, instrumental in this title run, like one of the, you know, the starting center of a championship team to get such a low payday. It's a, a bit of a shame for him. I bet he was probably hoping for a little bit more. I'd be interesting to find out if that was like he turned down other offers or if that was the market and he ended up signing with the Warriors for just similar money that anyone else was getting. Yeah, that is a good question. And uh, Zubats, that's who I was uh, looking up. So he got like a three-year, $33 million. So he's got like an $11 million a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure Looney was looking, was listening to other offers just because why wouldn't you, if you have an agent working for you, why wouldn't you just hear it out? But he wanted to come back to the Warriors. He's drafted by the Warriors. He's part of this foundation and core. And sure, I think it would be nice if the Warriors, you know, gave him 11 million, you know, like what they gave up, you know, to others. But thinking what the impact of that would do when you have so many guys who are getting paid so much and you want to continue to be a part of this team, you do need to kind of come back to that team first mentality, um, almost that Spurs model because of the luxury tax and just what they could afford. I don't think they could have afforded paying him um, 10 or 11 million and then still try and retain uh, Poole and Wiggins, which we'll get into a little bit later after some comments that I saw in an interview um, with Joe Lacob. So, you know, he's getting, you know, he's still getting good money, um, you know, around eight, eight million a year. So the difference between eight and 11 or eight and 10 um, for how much more that ends up costing the warriors, I think that's just, it's just a part of the business, right? You want to stay how, how, important is it for you to stick with the same team and group if he just really wanted the money he could have gone somewhere else and i'm sure somebody would have paid him a little bit more um but then at the same time he's small for his size and his position so i don't know other teams that he would just fit in seamlessly that um that he would make as much sense as he does for the warriors based on the schemes yeah. that they run because he's not an above the rim defender so a lot of other teams want a center that can erase the mistakes of their point guard. Um, and Looney will keep his man in front hundred percent. And one of the better rebounders in the league, hundred percent, but he's not going to send away shots like Gobert does at the rim. Yeah. It's really interesting. What you're hitting on Sam is almost like this because the Warriors play such a unique style of basketball compared to the rest of the league. Kavon Looney, an instrumental part of a championship team, been drafted with him and knows how to play in this style with these Hall of Fame players, Steph Clay and Draymond, so well that he's more valuable to the Warriors than he is to any other team in the NBA. Like, he's not a good offensively he's not a pick and roll center it's one of the reasons even though he was so great this year defensively we were like oh I really wish James Wiseman was here because we would have so many open dunks that Looney got better going along the season but isn't the best finisher around the rim and certainly doesn't have the verticality and can't play above the rim and that's how 29 other teams in the NBA operate so I'm really glad he's back 
hopefully he knows how much Dub Nation supports him. And yeah, you're right. He was most instrumental free agent to sign. Uh, it's just interesting kind of this, not trap, but the predicament you find yourself in and how like the Warriors allow themselves to kind of keep these players and keep this continuity going. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get, we'll dig into that a little bit more. Um, Want to hit on some other roster changes. So JTA signs with the Lakers and Damian Lee signs with Phoenix. Um, not surprised there either player um, for JTA. I think we saw, uh, you know, he got significantly less opportunity this past season, you mm-hmm. know, first player of Mexican descent to win an NBA title. So um, amazing. Still wearing number 99 representing Oakland. Yeah, and seeing him with a Mexican flag on the podium for the championship, just, like, amazing. Amazing. So, you know, he's going to be an uh, honorable Warriors warrior for the rest of his life, no doubt. Um, I think it's just opportunity for him and then for the Warriors. He, you know, you want to give those minutes to Kaminga and Wiseman um, and Moody. So having him be at the end of the bench, I think that they just wanted to go in a different direction. And I think that was clear when they drafted three new players. Um, but yeah. before we talk about those three new draft picks, uh, I hit on Dante DiVincenzo. So Warriors struck out with GP2 and Otto Porter Jr., but uh, were able to sign Dante DiVincenzo, who was originally drafted by Milwaukee, played last season with the Sacramento Kings. Um, he had a pretty devastating injury that kept him sidelined for quite some time with Milwaukee. He played about the last few months of the season with Sacramento. Um, DiVincenzo gets the MLE, so they signed him to a two-year, $9.2 million contract, second year as a player option. So great opportunity for both sides. DiVincenzo, I think, is worth way more than that. Um, salary rise just based on the skill set that he offers and so it gives him a chance similar to last season with the with what we did with Otto Porter Jr. get a guy who's coming off an injury but has a ton of potential to be in a place where he can succeed playing off the bench so DiVincenzo definitely not as prolific of a defender as Gary Payton but he is um, crafty with his hands he's good with steals you know he's not gonna block Nikola Jokic um, and he's not going to be an above the rim finisher, but he is a much better three point shooter. Um, he's great as a ball handler playmaker. So it does give the Warriors another option off the bench other than Jordan Poole as a guy who can come in and play make, um, get to the rim, take outside shots. So I think that does that was a really good sign signing. I am really excited to see him um, and his fit with this team because I think he's going to be a big piece for them um this next season yeah no Dante was a great pickup and even though they signed him he's pretty clearly the Gary Payton replacement he reminds me a lot more of exactly what you said the auto porter signing like I've got talented guy injuries derailed a little bit a one-year small contract to kind of prove his worth to the rest of the league I think that's all everything you said is right. I love the fact that he played in Milwaukee. He understands a how to play around superstars and he understands how to be coached and be in a system because Milwaukee with coach Bud, Mike Budenholzer, like they know how to play together. So he's going to know how to pass, how to shoot, how to move and how to play in space. And he's probably going to have the most space and the most open shots of his career. So 
I'm hope like I'm hoping it'll be like Otto Porter where it's like, oh, this guy is great. I can't believe we got him. I, you know, it's like I I know I know we're saying it's like okay, so it's like you're taking like half the defense of Peyton, but you're adding like 50% more shooting. And I know he's a much better shooter. But the thing is, like Gary made the shots when it mattered, and I just think like I understand like Joe Lacob said like they just they literally could not pay for all of this. Like there's clearly a limit that this team had. And good for Peyton, good for all of these guys for like earning contracts that allowed them to not be on this team. But Gary, I mean, what like he did, he's more than just a great defender. He changes games with how he plays defense. He turns defense into offense more than any other player I've seen, other than like Draymond and Iguodala and guys like that. And he was finishing games in the finals. And you could say like the series changed when he was able to finally play in game two of the finals. I think, I don't know if Dante DiVincenzo is closing out finals games for the Warriors. I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Gary and Portland when they finally play because it'll be wonderful to see his ring. I'm not looking forward to that game when Peyton like strips the ball from Steph, Damian Lillard's going off because we don't have that stopper. And it's going to, I think we're going to notice the loss and the magnitude of that loss. Yeah, those are all valid points. I would say there's a few things here that are at play. You know, number one, we couldn't offer GP2 a three-year deal. So, you know, we gave him the, the two-year MLE, which was pretty decent money, but he wanted his payday, and rightfully so. This is his first real deal with the team. And, and Peyton's 30 going on 31. So you're going to pay a guy... I think they estimated about 60 mil plus it would cost the Warriors after tax to get to match the deal that he got for Portland for a guy who's going to play into th- age 34. I don't disagree with any of the pros of what GP2 brought to the team, but um, that's just simply so much money to give someone. And then also you see, you know, Clay Thompson's going to have a summer league, um, an off season to get ready, right? This was Clay Thompson yeah. coming off of injury. So you expect Clay to be the max player that he is. Um, and then Wiggins continue to grow on all star Wiggins of last season, who will be and was the primary best defender for smalls and continue, continue to do so. We did see Clay Thompson step up his defense in the second half of the final. So if you think that mm-hmm. Thompson, you know, gets closer to that place where he was pre-injury that he also now comes in as a defensive stopper and bringing in more offensive options for the team changes the offense and changes the, the dynamic. Because I think that there were a lot of times where even though you have Steph Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, we won games with our defense. The other team typically mm-hmm. outscored us shooting wise. They had better shooters and, and more shooters throughout their lineup. And so this team without Gary Payton, I 100% agree. We don't have that, you know, the defensive stopper now on our roster, but you construct the roster a little bit differently. You use the same pieces and tinker a little bit. And maybe now we're, we are able to more consistently outscore other teams because we've got a healthier Clay Thompson. We've got DiVincenzo coming off the bench. And so the product is different, no doubt. Um, I am sad. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not sad that we lost GP2, but I just think that, for him, you know, Sam. 60, $63 million is just so much money for three years um, for a guy who's up there in age. 
And maybe he doesn't have the same impact in Portland as he does with Golden State. I kind of felt like he was that also perfect fit for the Warriors type player. Um, but it would be interesting to see how he fares in Portland. He's going to be kind of buried behind their depth chart. Um, but they definitely wanted him to make Lillard happy. So good for him. And, and we'll see how all of that shakes out for sure. Yeah. You know, it, you, you got to change your thinking. You know, Gary Payton was the 15th man, right? Like going, right. we weren't even sure if he was going to be on the team. He drastically outplayed that title and ended up outplaying that spot. So now it's like, good for you. Now we've got to go find another 15th man because you're no longer a 15th man. And that's what the Warriors have room for within their, you know, salary situation and all that. It's just, I haven't seen a player who's been here for one year and he was kind of with the Warriors a little bit last year too. So he had a cup of coffee. We got to see his face, but it's interesting to see a, a, a team, a player just in the small amount of time he's been there so ingratiate himself towards not just the team but the coaches and then the fan base too it's gonna it, it's gonna hurt seeing him go I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be sad about it for a while yeah. I get it and I'm I'm trying to pivot myself to be happy for him for <laughs> making that payday but it's hard to lose a guy who is closing finals games after you won the title well, you just you see the direction of this franchise, which is looking towards youth, which is a perfect segue to the Warriors draft. So, um, you know, I did a podcast a little bit before the draft, and I was actually expecting the Warriors to trade away a lot of these picks and look to re- re-sign and bring back GP2 and Otto Porter Jr., but the Warriors opted, mm-hmm. opted to draft three players Um, And I found out after the fact, I do think that there's a reason behind that, which is you as a team are not penalized by the repeater tax for players that you draft. So you pay a guy, um, you know, their minimum salary and you're over the luxury tax. Right now the Warriors are paying like 7.25 per per the dollar for whatever contract that, you know, for whatever money they spend. So for a guy that you draft, you're avoiding that um, ridiculous fee. So I do see the reasoning behind that. Um, So let's talk about the draft picks. First round pick at number 28, the Warriors got Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, A lot of nicknames that I see thrown out right now, PB and J. Um, (laughs) What I saw on the word on PB and J is um, suffered a brutal injury in high school, but pre-injury thought you know a lot of people thought that he was going to be a lottery pick with a ton of upside and ceiling he's a forward who can do a little bit of everything um he is not currently cleared to play in summer league so um played played one year in college he played for his dad his coach so he's a coach's son which the warriors really liked which means which should translate to meaning he has a lot of the fundamentals which um bodes well for the warriors but did not have a great season in college. Um, the one year he played, he said he never really fully rehabbed. So kind of seems like a Kavon Looney similarities yeah. there. Um, late first round pick, a guy that had a ton of upside, should have been like a top 10 pick, but got injured, fell all the way to the Warriors. And look where Looney is now, you know, five or six years later, one of the better stories in the NBA, one of the better um, players that the Warriors have acquired when you look now over the last six or seven years, the players that they have drafted are still in the system. So I'm all about that. 
um, floor spacing forwards with fundamentals who can do a little bit of everything. We'll see how he kind of fits in as he gets healthy and ready to go. Yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting. They're allowed to do this because they just won the title, right? So they, they get to draft a rookie who is not anywhere close to contributing next year, even though, as you said, they're kind of drafting to replace players that are leaving. And because they're not going to play anytime, they're not trying to contribute to a championship team. They have time to, you know, get healthy, to learn the system, to do all their stuff. If the Warriors had lost, like say they lost in Memphis, I bet there'd be a lot they probably would be drafting a little bit differently in terms of either trading those picks or can we get guys who can help out right away? But you're right. It screams Kavon Looney, you know, a high talented high school guy, injury riddled college season. Can we take a high upside swing in the bottom half of the first round and see what we can do? Now the thing is with Looney, like it took him maybe a few years before he was even like a real rotation player. And then like, five years to become a good player. So it took him well, five well, years to actually be healthy and make it through a season. Too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And now, you know, now he's uh, now he's Iron Man. So right. I, I like the signing. I trust. It's so funny. If you had asked me this like two years ago, I would not trust the front office, but they're riding high right now with Looney, with pool, with these young guys who look good, the rookies from last year. So it's kind of fun, all the equity and capital they have in terms of the confidence in their decisions. Do yeah, you I know if he's do you know if he's going to be able to play this year at all or is he just going to be in the G League or what do you think? No official reports yet. Um I have not done significant research into the extent of his injury and when he's expected to make an appearance. I would expect that the Warriors medical staff are still going through all of that with him so we haven't seen anything officially released, but I would expect that he would at least play for Santa Cruz at some point. Um, if he's playing for the forward position, he's going to be buried behind the depth chart. So we're oh, talking, yeah. we're no. talking kind of like Juan Toscano Anderson, um, as far as like positioning, um, and the rotation. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe garbage time at the end of games, but, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll be keeping our eye on that. You know, obviously it'll be really interesting to watch and see, um, when he is available and ready to make his debut. But I think that's it what you want to do with those late first round, early second, uh, second round picks is high upside, right? A lot of times you don't know how these guys are going to pan out. You don't know if their game's going to translate from college to the NBA. You, you have these scouts and you do all this research and you do analytics and you all, you do these workouts and everything like that. Um, there's so much that it's just kind of a guessing game. You make your best guesses and you try and get the guys that you think you're going to work and you see what happens. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's also like the faith that the Warriors have, rightfully so, in their G League team, in the Santa Cruz system of it's fun for us as fans, too, because we don't need to wait for PBJ to actually be playing alongside Steph Curry. We can like follow along in Santa Cruz. We can see the box score and watch a play because we've seen the success that other guys have had coming down from there and that's something that not every team has like some real confidence in their g league team and having it be a real minor league for their actual roster so it'll be fun to watch them play yep 100 um next pick they made this was actually interesting the warriors had the 51st pick they ended up trading up with atlanta to get the 44th pick so they traded the 51st plus some cash and they drafted Ryan Rawlings at 44. 
Rawlings is supposed to be this kind of playmaking. Um, I think there's like comparisons with like kind of Sean Livingston, long, lengthy playmaking mm. guard who can get into the rent, who can get into the paint and dish it out. Um, they were really impressed with him. His shot apparently needs some work. He is also currently hurt right now, but is not expected to be a significant injury like what um, Baldwin Jr. is facing. So he has not yet played for Summer League, but I haven't seen any official reports yet on when he's expected to be available to make his debut either in Summer League or for training camp. Um, But he is expected to crack the rotation um he's currently unsigned though so what Mm. i'm seeing right now is expected that the warriors will give him a part of the mle um that they that they give part you know because they give divincenzo four and a half million a year and ryan rawlings would kind of get the minimum he'd get about a million so he is currently unsigned even though he was drafted so we'll see what happens which would make me think that he's maybe close to returning and playing during summer league. And they'll get a chance to look at him and decide if they want him on the 15 man roster or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, again, I don't know too much about these guys. I was pretty shocked to see that. Oh, can you hear me, Tim? Yeah. Oh, I was pretty shocked to see that the reports were that they were expecting him to be part of the roster. And it's not like a long play. It's not a G league play, which makes the injury, which I'm like the injury like happened after the draft or something like a torn labrum in the shoulder or something. I'm not quite sure, but it would have been nice to see him play, especially alongside Kaminga and Moody. Cause if he was actually going to be in the roster, like playing these minutes, seeing him play along the other young guys and how he flows and how their, you know, play styles work together would have been great to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, last pick, 55th pick, Gui Santos. Um, Ooh, the Brazilian Luca. The Brazilian Luca. He has worked a lot with Leandro Barbosa. Um, but I guess we did, you know, quick little segue here. We didn't talk about this. So I think a lot of people know, but maybe not everyone. Mike Brown accepted the head coaching job um, for the Sacramento Kings. So Mike Brown's no longer with the Warriors. The Warriors promoted. Um, Jama Mahalela to the front of the bench and uh, Kenny Kenny Atkinson got bumped to lead assistant. Atkinson was actually offered the Charlotte head coaching job. He turned it down to stay with Golden State. So we lost a couple coaches and then Leandro Barbosa actually also left the Warriors to go join Mike Brown in Sacramento as well. That I, first, a couple things there, because that's all the, the Warriors coaching upgrades, I think, were as, a big a reason they won the title last year as the player personnel decision. So interesting to see the changes in the coaching. Um, sad to see Mike Brown go. Did not realize Barbosa was leaving until I saw him like next to Mike Brown at a summer league game. <laughs> I was like, what the heck? Are you serious? But I'm so intrigued by Kenny Atkinson having a deal to be the head coach of the Hornets and then turning it down. That never happens. That's like the whole job of being an assistant coach is like you want to become the head coach somewhere. So I'm wondering, what do you, what do you think about that? Cause I'm hearing rumblings of like, Oh, if Kerr leaves, is this like a home for Kenny? Has that been agreed on? Like some kind of like Greg Popovich esque, you know, retirement pass on or something. I was just very intrigued by a, a coach choosing to not become the head coach and stay with the team 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting point to explore. First of all, Barbosa got offered an assistant coaching position, so it makes sense. You know, he was kind of working with the player development team. He wasn't actually yeah. on the bench, so good for him to get, you know, an actual assistant role. Uh, as far as the Kenny Atkinson question, I think, you know, unfortunately, you look at Charlotte and their team's kind of a mess. You had the Miles Bridges news. Um, the, dom- oh the domestic gosh. violence is just not a good look. Um, obviously, you've got uh, Lamelo Ball, who's incredibly talented, but can he play both sides of the floor? Can he actually contribute to winning? Um, you don't really have a front court over there. So, unfortunately, when I look at Charlotte and I look at the other teams in the East, Charlotte kind of seems like they're kind of slotted for mediocrity for some time and so for kenny atkinson maybe he didn't really want to be a part of that he didn't want, he didn't want to be the one to take the reins for a franchise and a team that didn't really necessarily have the pieces that he wanted to be a part of and um and then you look at the warriors and they've got all these young players and young talent and we already know what kenny atkinson did with developing all of those players in brooklyn and looking looking mm-hmm. at what those guys are doing now d'angelo russell um and uh, Jared Allen, uh, Karis LeVert, uh, Spencer Dindwiddie, just some, you know, Joe Harris, all those guys now got paid great positions. So, yeah, I think there's a few different things at play there. I didn't think about the angle about replacing Steve Kerr. I feel like Steve Kerr's not that old and he'd want to stick with the Warriors for a while, but you can see yeah. how much he's grayed out um, from all this. <laughs> tumultuous warrior seasons these uh (laughs) dealing with all these games of the warriors turn the ball over so many times but have enough offense and scoring or or defensive prowess when it counts to come back and win games and now he's doing the u.s the team usa stuff so um yeah i mean i i think coaching is a really big part of the game today it's definitely underrated and I'm glad to see that we were able to keep some of the bench together because definitely you saw a big difference and shift from this season compared to the last few seasons where, and Steve Kerr kind of talked about this, and I think we talked about this a little bit in, in older pods that the, the front office had just kind of become complacent, a lot of yes men, and you needed mm-hmm. some different opinions and perspectives um, and attitudes. So totally. And you know, I think that's, that's, that's all right, man. And like, maybe Kenny just saw, Hey, whenever coaches leave the Warriors coaching tree, they do not do as well because it's much harder to win games when you don't have Steph Curry. So you're looking at uh, Alvin Gentry and Luke Walton and now Mike Brown, you know, good luck, but we will see how uh, it goes. It's sometimes it's nicer to stay in golden state. Yeah. hundred percent. So um, back to Gui Santos. So, uh, the Brazilian Luca, he's got some complications with his um, status. So he is technically under contract for a Brazilian team. And so he's not eligible for a two-way yet um, or a roster spot. Mm-hmm. So, and there's some weird rules about that. Basically, um, if the Warriors like bought out his contract, he wouldn't be eligible to play. But if Santos buys himself out of his contract, then the Warriors could offer him something. I don't know. So it remains to be seen, but he, he was drafted. So he's right now he's kind of like a Justinian Jessup 
um, mm-hmm. from a few years ago, who's also been playing for the summer league for the warriors in summer league right now in Vegas. Uh, he's a draft and stash, but we'll see. He looks pretty good. He had some pretty good eye-opening games in the California classic. He had, I think in his opener, he had like 23 points. The turnovers have been an issue. Um, but he himself says that he thinks he has a lot of potential. He can contribute to the team this year and, um, we'll see, we'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. You know, obviously, um, you know, that's basically the roster that we just hit on plus the rookies from last year. So right now we've got Curry, Thompson, Green, Looney, Poole, Wiggins, DiVincenzo, Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga, Baldwin Jr. Rollins drafted, but no, but he's currently unsigned. Santos drafted, but he's currently unsigned. And then Lester Quinones, who was offered a two-way and Lester was nearly a 40% three-point shooter in his last two years. Um, so he's currently playing for the summer league team. He feels like he was the best shooter in the draft. He kind of reminds me of um, Mulder, Michael Mulder, mm. the Warriors a few years ago. So we'll see how he, how his role kind of develops and establish on this two-way deal. And then currently unsigned, but um, it's a restricted free agent with the Warriors is Quindary Weatherspoon. So he's expected to get the second two-way contract. He's been playing with the summer league team, but he's not officially on the roster yet. So the Warriors are running kind of thin right now. They've got a few open spots. Um, You'd have to think that there's maybe some veteran free agents that they might sign to round out the roster. There's been rumblings of Aaron Baines, who's trying to Mm -hmm. rehab from his um, horrific injury and maybe some others, but this is a team of youth right now. <laughs> You've got a lot of young guys. And yeah. so you want to give them opportunity. And one thing that's been really clear to me is Moses Moody is ready to ascend to greatness. Um, <laughs> yeah, he uh, has been, he had a great summer league game. It was pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, it's clear, man, that they're banking on Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman too. All three of them are no longer going to be like, fringe let's see what's going on like they are going to be part of the rotation and playing substantial minutes they just have to yeah they have to and it's kind of sink or swim right you're gonna you're at the point now where those three guys in particular they've played through the system they've you know been through the finals they've been through the gauntlet they've ridden the bench they've gotten the steve kerr whip you know pulled when they make mistakes and given feedback and it's not that i think that they're all of a sudden everything's going to click in here too but you kind of need to throw them into the fire now because the warriors don't have the money to go offer to go in and bring in you know big time free agents and also you don't want to bring in guys who are going to get like you don't want to go get other auto porter juniors who are going to play 20 minutes a night because that's taking away opportunity from those young guys that you want to develop and so um yeah it, you know it's sink or swim for these guys so moses moody um on july 8th he had 34 points in the first three quarters five rebounds two blocks eight of 13 from the field very good from the free throw line uh, one of the things that they've been working on with Moody is defense and Weatherspoon as well. I see Weatherspoon being the point of attack defender in these summer league games where he's mm-hmm. all up uh, pounding the ball handlers. And so you see a lot of that. 
Um, Moody has been really aggressive driving, taking contact, getting to the foul lines. That's really great to see. That's something that I saw kind of early on last year. I kind of called out that I thought he reminded me a lot of Jason Richardson with kind of his explosiveness and his ability to get to the rim. So I think we can kind of see some more of that. Um, Obviously, he's a great shooter, but we just don't see him like shooting 10 threes. You know, he's not just like, oh, I'm just going to be a catch and shoot guy. He's more than willing uh, to, to put his head down and get to the rim and get fouled. Yeah. He's got great. Inst- I mean, we've talked about this while he's got great instincts. He's more than just like a three and D guy. He can move around. He knows how to cut. He knows how to go for the rebound. And I mean, he played big minutes in the Western conference finals. And that's something that Kaminga really can't say. He wasn't too much of a factor in the playoffs after, uh, I won't call it disastrous, but, uh, ineffective, like starting starts in against Memphis in the second round. I think Moody's absolutely ready to be part of this rotation, to play these minutes, to maybe close some games, to, you know, be a big part of this rotation. I'm a little more worried about Kaminga and Wiseman in terms of, okay, like if you're right, they are going to play those 20 minutes a night or 15 to 20 minutes a night. They have to, how are the Warriors going to do when Kerr doesn't have the luxury of yanking them for the veteran? Because those veterans aren't there anymore. Well, you know, then you look at who was the veteran. It was Bielitsa. Um, so you've yeah. got, you've got Kavon Looney now who we know can play, you know, 25 to 28 minutes a night. And I think before this past season, you know, you may be penciling, Looney for 15 to 20 minutes, but you definitely don't feel like he's going to be a consistent 20 plus minutes a night kind of guy. And I think coming into this season, you do feel like that until Wiseman has proven that he can be a consistent piece off the bench, assuming that I would assume that they continue to bring him off the bench and start Kavon Looney that you don't need Wiseman to play that many minutes. And if he gets into foul trouble or whatever, then you play more Moody or not Moody uh, Looney. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I, and I love the idea of Wiseman coming off the bench. I think they've got a sign. You, you were saying, like, there's some rumblings. I think they need one more big in, like, kind of the Bielitsa role. Because Bielitsa, he's playing in Turkey now. You know, Porter's gone, too. I think they need one other guy to supplement that Draymond Looney front line in case Wiseman doesn't quite have it. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe, you know, a stretch, like, like Bielitsa, like a stretch for – or, I mean, Bielitsa and Porter – they were both supposed to be shooters. They kind of, you know, Porter actually was for a while and then went ice cold for a minute there. Uh, but they at least served the purpose of stretching out the defense, of rebounding, of doing that thing, that stuff. So if they got like an Aaron Baines, I heard Serge Ibaka being thrown around. If they could find someone like that, I think that would be, that would make me feel a little bit more comfortable and having it not be, I, I'm so excited to see Wiseman and Kaminga get more minutes. It would just be nice for a team with championship aspirations to have a little bit more of a baseline in case they need it. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Abaka resigned with Milwaukee. Um, oh, did he already resign? Yeah. Okay. So, so he's off the I, board. I kind of feel like I don't disagree with you, but part of me feels like they're just going to, it worked last season. They're just going to roll with it again this season because Sure, it's like emergency depth behind Wiseman, but also like the Warriors play small. So maybe they would rather 
I, I don't know. Like, I don't think they're going to go for like a DeAndre Ayton type of player, that, that type of guy who's just like a big body who's late in his career and isn't going to do much. I think Baines would be an intriguing fit because Baines can at least be a floor spacer, as you kind of said. Um, but Weatherspoon, mm-hmm. assuming that they sign him to the two-way, I think he can kind of play that that four, that power forward role off the bench as well. Um, you know, Jonathan Kaminga sometimes plays small at the five. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm not really sure where they're leaning towards because um, we just saw that last season they were content with playing small for most of the season and um, they obviously don't want to waste roster spots. I mean, I don't think they'll sign 15. I think maybe they'll go to 14 um, and leave a spot open like they did last year and use the two ways, the two way deals. Um, yeah. I, I feel that. And that's, uh, you know, and obviously they get, they can do whatever they want because they just won a title with the same exact <laughs> complaints. Like, where's your backup big? How are you going to do it? But right. Porter, you know, I was fully expecting him to leave, loved having him. But one of the things he was so good at that Draymond loved him for was rebounding. So they could right. play small and still play a little bit above their heads there. And you're right. Like if the backup front line is now going to be widening Kaminga, because Kaminga can play the five next to Draymond. He did that a lot during the season. Right. They've got to make sure like they are rebounding and they're playing big and they kind of find the key that Andrew Wiggins unlocked when he was like, Oh, I can get rebounds all the time. And that's actually right. a great way to score and help the team. And if they could do that, I mean, that's really exciting. I mean, and we're going to get to see Wiseman play. I have a feeling, you know, he hasn't had a lot of game experience, but it's kind of like when, not to compare him to one of the truly great players in the league, but Joel Embiid was like out of, was not playing for two, three years before he finally saw the court. And obviously he's, you know, an MVP caliber player who knows if Wiseman's ever going to get that. But I think there's something to be said about being with the team, about watching the NBA, about seeing how things go, about having practice and veteran leadership. So when Wiseman does play again, it's not going to be as the same like fresh faced rookie from two years ago. It's going to be, you know, with a little bit more experience and understanding and knowledge of how the Warriors like to play and how this game works. So I'm expecting him to be, I mean, call me crazy. That'd be cool if he was a quality rotation player. I think that's, I think that's hundred percent the expectation and he doesn't need to do much. He needs to be physical. He needs to rebound. He needs to be able to defend at a reasonable rate and finish lobs. Um, and I'd even just take be physical and rebound and not be a net negative defender. Yeah. If he could just be, I mean, absolutely. If he could rebound has a baseline of defense where he's not a rookie anymore, literally just him playing with Stefan Draymond, he's going to get like, six dunks a game like he can jump so high if he just knows how to make those reads it, right. it unlocks a whole extra thing for the and warriors you see you see what the warriors did by you know uh drafting rollins signing um di vincenzo they are bringing in playmaking um so you can see that they're you know looking to have more options more guys who can throw it throw in an inbounds pass or um you know, entry pass to the post. So, yeah. Um, and I also think that the Warriors are betting on themselves and in, in, in rather than go out and sign guys for a rebounder, they're looking internally, like you just said, like Andrew Wiggins, we're going to need you to rebound more this season. Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're talking to Clay, like, Clay, you got to rebound more this season. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I'm 
it's this season's going to be so interesting, Sam. I'm nervous because we lost a lot of continuity and veteran presence on the bench. Now the bench is just the young guys. So the bet of how to get better, it really is, can Wiggins take who he became in the postseason, which is honestly one of the craziest things I've seen in the NBA in a while is Andrew Wiggins' evolution into, like, hard-nosed, lunch-pail, all-defense, small-four rebounding monster. If he can, like, take that, that confidence and that level into this next season, and if Jordan Poole, who – ended the season really high, but throughout the season was a little back and forth and unsure and didn't know how to do. He's going into the season being, I am the sixth man. Like that is my role. There's no, I'm maybe starting, maybe not what's going to happen. I'm the sixth man. Can I win sixth man of the year? Can I be not a liability on defense? So I am the closer when we want to go small with Draymond at the five. And it's not who's going to be that spot. If those two Wiggins and Poole, and then Clay also, who's going to get more consistent, if they can be stronger and build off the momentum of the playoffs, then I'm going to feel a lot better about the less of the strengths and numbers that we're going to have this year. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, it's interesting because around the time of the finals and, and right before the draft, you heard a lot of Bob Myers' quotes saying like, you know, we want to try and bring back as many of these guys as we can. And Lacob hasn't really told me that there's a limit or he'll tell me as we enter free agency, what the limit is and, and guys should get paid what they're, what they deserve or what they're owed. And, you know, we want to pay guys who, who we've drafted and reward them and all of that. And then you have Lacob come in now um, a couple, you know, like a week after that. And he, you know, his quote is, you know, you guys are, are you guys are throwing out numbers like 400, 500 million. Those numbers aren't even remotely possible. They're just not. Mm -hmm. I'm already in trouble with the rest of the league. We kind of blew a hole in the system and it's not a good look from the league's perspective. So that was really interesting to hear Lacob say that it's not even like from his pocketbook that he would take a hit. It's like the league. It's like Adam Silver, like, hey, um, you know, knock, knock. Uh, I know we have these rules in in place for the repeater tax and you guys are paying us a whole bunch of money, but don't think that you can just spend as much as you want. Like that's not allowed. Like the rules don't say it's not allowed, but you can't do that. So don't make me, don't make me tell you again that you got to cut salary. Um, yeah, for sure. I have a feeling that, I mean, I feel like it's in lake of benefit to be saying that because this is the first time the Warriors haven't been able to, retain someone that is so clearly a Warriors player because of money. Like this is brand new for this era of the, of the dynasty and of the Curry Lake of Warriors. So it's, that's pretty interesting. Although it is true. It's like, I mean, what were, what was the quote that got a lot of play during the finals? It's like, you're not just, it was Brian Windhorst on ESPN said it. It's like, you're not just playing the Warriors. You're playing their checkbook. Oh my God. And yeah. it was like it was so, since, such BS. It's so ridiculous, especially because like those contracts were held against the Warriors for so long. <laughs> like Clay being a sunk cost, Draymond, who's absolutely amazing. Like I'm not even sure if he's, you know, like he had to be benched in a finals game at a certain point. He's getting yeah. the back. Wiggins was considered dead money. So the idea to like spin it around and all of a sudden that the Warriors are this like incredible championship team that gets to keep it together by paying them, I thought was so disingenuous. I mean, I guess it's true. It was just clickbait, honestly. I mean, Nick, you know, 
Nick Wright and those Windhurst comments, it's all just clickbait. You don't, these guys don't actually believe it. They're just saying whatever they, whatever they can say to, to spin up drama and get attention. You know, and it just goes back to like what we were saying at the beginning is like people just change their tune so fast. And I don't mind like acknowledging new realities, but to pretend that they were always the same, like to pretend that the Warriors weren't the underdogs when they were down two to one and then ended up overcoming it. The same thing, like they didn't work around this pretty intense financial situation that most teams would have crumpled under having max players get injured, you know? And the it's, funny thing, uh, it's everyone that they drafted. It's not even free agents. It's not even like they, they paid Durant to come back or something like that. It's literally seven or eight guys that they've drafted that have now played into max deals. Andrew Wiggins comes in a trade and you sign some vet minimum free agents. So it's and just, that was just like, no value to what was being said. Totally. And like they traded for Wiggins when he was considered the worst contract in the league. Right. Like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, they have enough money to go out and get another max player. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, it's a little, it's a little ridiculous. Uh, so, but I, so I understand where those comments are coming from, and just you know whether the league was telling the Warriors to stop or if Lakeup was just like, we can't keep doing this. Either way, it was clearly untenable to have already the most expensive team in history continue to balloon. I'm interested to see. I was listening to the Draymond Green podcast. No free ads for other podcasts, but I was listening to the Draymond Green show. And <laughs> we'll allow it. He was, talking, yeah, he was talking about how his extension talk is coming up, like in August. Right. He's like, that's going to be an interesting day. And I'm like, that's going to be real. Like, this is almost the easy stuff, even though Gary, losing Gary Payton will like forever haunt me and I'll be sad about it. But I'll like have a little yard site candle for him and his time on the Warriors. But the the real questions are going to be when Poole has his extension, when Wiggins is coming up, and then what to do with, not Steph. I think Steph is going to be taken care of no matter what, but what to do with Clay and Draymond when their max contracts run up? Like, those are going to be the really interesting questions for this team down the line as they try to keep this going and thread the two timelines. Right, 100%. And I think if Lakob is leaning towards the younger timeline, um, I think that there's a reality in where you feel like giving GP2 the three-year deal um, playing into like his year 34, it's like the Warriors aren't trying to have guys. They're trying to get away from the 34-year-olds. They want the 21-year-olds, the 19-year-olds. Um, so, and again, it doesn't take away anything from from what GP2s can do and, and how good he is and everything and all of that. But I feel like if you want to give that opportunity to Moody, if you resign GP two, um, you're kind of you're not giving him that opportunity. And if you want Wiggins to be the point of attack defender, but you have GP two, it's kind of the same thing. So it's interesting. Um, I feel like you just get a sense of the direction of this franchise, and they really want to prioritize the youth. And um, and if they don't win, you know, this year, I think that they're okay with that. If if it sets them up, sets them up to to win a lot more in the future. Uh, but you got to give these guys minutes and you got to shed a little bit of salary. And I think, yeah, I, I really hope we don't let Wiggins walk because obviously he is, he is the key to all of this because until we see clay Thompson be, you know, two way clay again, Wiggins is our best defender. 
our our guard and, and perimeter wing defender and who's going to guard Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Kevin Durant it's Andrew Wiggins and so you can't yeah. let that guy walk um, and then also yeah. Jordan Poole the you know the first time we've had a legitimate scoring threat off the bench since Leandro Barthos so you can't let him walk so you know do Draymond and Clay Thompson accept more team friendly salary deals like we saw James Harden do to allow Poole and Wiggins to get their due to get their payday. I mean, sure, Wiggins is coming off the max deal, but Wiggins is only 27. So if Wiggins can do this for another five years, I'll give Wiggins another 30 plus, you know, 30 plus five year deal. Um, I'm good with that. If, if this is going to be the version of Andrew Wiggins that plays for the Warriors, um, that's worth every penny for what he did in, in this postseason run. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting to see. I remember thinking that, well, you know, maybe Wiggins will re-sign on a much smaller contract because we all know he's not a max player. And then we can use that money for Jordan Poole because their contracts are ending at the same time. But now Wiggins has to be thinking that like, no, I was the second best player on a championship team. 100%. Like I was the second best. And it's, it's like, I mean, game five of this, of the Celtics series, like that was the Wiggins game. It was astonishing what he's doing on both ends of the floor, all the intangibles. And also the, I mean, who would have thought that he had after watching him in the play-in game last year, completely brick after brick in the big moments to see him rise to the occasion in the postseason was extraordinary. And there, I mean, it's not an un- it, like it's not a low percentage that Wiggins was like, oh, I can actually be like a truly great player in this league. I love this team, and why, yeah, let me go average like twenty five and ten. And he wasn't like even shooting always, the three ball well throughout the playoffs. Exactly, he so wasn't even playing he, how he, you know, how he had played offensively through the season. So it was all just rebounding, attacking the rim relentlessly, put back dunks, jumpers. Yeah, so if he actually, like, rises up to his contract, then the Warriors are going to have some big decisions to make, for sure. So we got James Wiseman playing tonight in the Las Vegas Summer League. That kicks off in about an hour and a half, 4.30 Pacific time tonight. That's going to be must-watch TV. Um, Corey, what are some things you'll be curious to see uh, James Wiseman do in his debut um, after injury after injury and setback after setback and ramping up yeah. for basically all of last season. What I want to see from James Wiseman, boy, a lot of stuff, Sam, a lot of stuff. I'm very excited, but honestly, I want to see him. This seems so silly. I want to see him catch the ball and rebound. Like, if you remember in that rookie season, he had such a hard time getting those passes on grabbing those rebounds. If he could just be a big center, grab the rebound, finish offensive putbacks, be able to, like, take the, like, have, like, fast break catches and finish, I would be happy just to see that he's, like, got that, you know? And if he doesn't play well, that's going to be a little concerning, but easier to play with all the warrior stars and without them. So we'll, we'll, we'll give him some time either way. What about you? Yeah. I think the, you know, I don't listen. We already know from his rookie, from his rookie year that he can dribble end to end that he can do, you know, fancy, fancy footwork, dribbling, step back shots, hit, you know, shoot the three, all of that. That's not what we need out of Wiseman in year three, right? Just, Mm-mm. 
make it simple, make it basic. Just like what you said, he needs to be a legitimate center. He needs to have a physical presence, grab some rebounds, catch the ball when it's thrown to you, you know, <laughs> definit- definitive, ball, definitive putbacks, right? If there's a rebound, go get it and put it back and score it. Um, don't worry about it. Anything else, you know, just so I think, yeah, he just needs to not get bullied around. You know, I don't need to see him block shots. We know he, he'll be able to do that later. Just show some basic building blocks and then slowly totally. build from there. You know, I don't need yeah, to see any step back jumpers. I don't even need to see him do, he doesn't even need to do post moves. I don't need to see him get an entry pass on the low block and do like a fancy post move. I don't care about any of that. Just like play both sides, get back on defense, grab some rebounds, put back some dunks and I'll be happy. Totally. I want to see, I want to see double digit rebounds. I want to see a Ooh, that double, would be double, nice. double digit rebounds, see him like half his size. And another little wrinkle, I'm very interested to see how he plays with Kaminga. Do we know if Kaminga's playing? Tonight he is. Too? Yeah, he played um, He played on that July 8th game when uh, Moody went off. Yeah. Yeah, I know he played because, well, Kaminga, well I, I think we'll give him, he just flew into Vegas. He clearly doesn't care. So I'm going to give him a pass on his pretty putrid summer league performance. But I talked about getting his conditioning up. I don't think they actually were expecting him to play on July 8th and then, and then he did. So yeah, well, I give him a pass. That's a good sign well. that he like, that's probably a good sign. He's like, no, I'm a gamer. I want to play, but I'm interested to see how a front court of Wiseman and Kaminga looks like because Kaminga was used almost like Wiseman last year. Like he was the five next to Draymond. He was the one going up for those alley-oops and cutting and needing to play physically and strong. So I want to see how that works. Is it going, like, is it going to put Kaminga like too far away, like on the three-point line? That's not where he's vital, you know? So right. I want to see, that. that's going to be a good coaching challenge. And if they could both, I mean, they both got skill to shoot the three. So I'm not saying it can't work, but I'm, I'm excited and interested to see how, the coaching staff. I know John is um, coaching the summer league team. What kind of wrinkles they throw in there on having these very similarly skilled players uh, share the front court together. And that was kind of the JTA effect where JTA really made his presence felt playing as a small five and the Warriors shifted him to like a three slash four last season. And he really struggled. Uh, And so similar for Kaminga, right? When he's, when he's playing the five and he's got a big, a big boy in front of him, he can go right past him with his speed. But when he's got somebody quicker who kind of matches him in, in speed and size and athleticism and, and um, you know, maybe the refs don't call. I've seen a couple summer league plays where he goes hard at the rim and goes for a dunk and they don't call foul. Um, Or when he's kind of dared into just being a jump shooter. I think that's where he struggles and he's got to build on this game a little bit, but listen, you know, also, you know, early, early lottery pick, it takes time. These guys are young. They've got a lot of opportunity to prove themselves. So I think that was actually a really good opportunity for Kaminga to not play a lot in the playoffs, to have some struggles for the other teams to kind of figure out the scouting report on him. Cause you need to continue to work on your game and, and you only get better by being exposed and figuring out where your weaknesses are. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're going to have more opportunity to do it too. I'm ex- I mean, I'm excited. They're talented, talented dudes, Sam. And it's, you know, you can understand why the Warriors didn't want to sell all of them, you know, didn't want to trade away their young players because they are so promising. 
now it's just time. Like it, it's time now. Like they are going to have to play and we'll see whether they're ready, whether how teams respond now that the Warriors aren't a surprise in the league. They're the returning champions. We're going to see if this uh, championship poise and continuity works when all of a sudden we've got some 21 year olds and 20 year olds making up like a vast, a vast portion of the rotation. Last topic I want to hit on here. You just brought up trades. There were some rumors, you know, obviously Kevin Durant on the trade market, Kyrie Irving on the trade market. Um, There was some talk (laughs) about the Warriors being the most, the team in the best position to make an offer for Kevin Durant that would look something like Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and Jonathan Kaminga. What are your thoughts on that kind of fake proposed trade? And do you think the Warriors should trade for Durant? Um, Sam, if they trade Wiggins, Poole, and all of the baby dubs to get Kevin Durant back on the team, I will go full Buddhist Vietnam monk, go in front of Chase Center, light myself on fire as an act of protest. I will not, I cannot handle that happening. I don't even want to take the Is there a different flavor of that trade that you would take? No. <laughs> Let me be very clear. No, I do not want Kevin Durant back on the team. And I think it's kind of crazy that people are entertaining it, that the Warriors are entertaining it. Listen, like we all lived through it. And we can all say unequivocally that this title and this run was so much, like not even more meaningful, so much more fun to watch than the KD years were. And it's because it allows Steph to be Steph and it allows the Warriors to be the Warriors without having, you know, one of the all-time great players as a get-out-of-jail-free card whenever anything bugs down, which makes it so easy to relax into that. So I don't want to see KD back. I mean, happy for him when he was here. It was awesome to watch. Greatest team of all time. Uh, I want to see Steph continue to flourish, and I want to see this young team begin to grow. Listen, I, I am in full agreement with you. I've got no interest in seeing Durant return to the Warriors, but let me just play devil's advocate here and ask you this last scenario question um, before mm-hmm. we sign off. So if you're Joe Lacob, and if you already have made the decision that you can't afford a pool and Wiggins extension with with um, and Draymond, and you th- and you've decided that you're going to keep pool, and you just let Wiggins walk, is there an argument to be made to look to potentially trade Wiggins for Durant now? if you already know that you're probably not going to re-sign Wiggins later down the road when his deal expires? Yeah, so if you already know that you're not going to be able to afford these guys, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, we can talk realistically. Like, getting Kevin Durant on your team is probably good. Like, probably a good basketball decision for you. <laughs> he is and then really how does talented. that? But then how does that impact all of the, of the rookies you just drafted, right? If you did yeah. a Wiggins... Yeah. Go for it. Well, I just don't like, they're going to want the draft picks and they're going to want the young players. Right. So even hypothetically, like, I don't know, like, I feel like you're probably most likely able to keep pool and Wiggins, but you're going to not going to be able to get, keep those young guys because that's going to be part of the hall. But honestly, if I'm Joe Lacob, 
like he's already been like the super team. Like he's established the Warriors as a top tier franchise. I think he views the, I feel like it's, he's the one pushing these young guys more than anyone else on the team is even yeah. like Myers or Kerr or anybody. 100%. I think that's his lifeline to being like, no, I'm one of the truly great owners in sports and not just the rich guy who bought the team of Steph Curry. And, you know, was able to make enough good decisions to let Steph Curry like prosper. But this next generation is what I think he's banking on being like, no, actually I'm one of the, I'm like a key cog here in terms of the greatness of the warriors and it will outlast Steph and this run. It's going to continue going. So I don't even think that he would want to do it even for the flashy move of being like, Oh, KD didn't want us. Guess what? You're still coming back because we are what's the, what's the, like the, <clears throat> the Thanos quote, like, look where all your mistakes led you back to me. back home. <laughs> so I think Good. even with that and with the flex of that would be, I don't think he wants to give up on the youth movement. All right. There you have it. Well, Corey, I will light myself on fire, Joe Lacob. I will. Outside of the <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Let him know. There you have it. <laughs> Corey, it's been great having you on the show this afternoon. We've got a ton of summer league action, all these young players to anxiously watch and potentially some more free agent signings and uh, end of the roster moves to be made before the Warriors open training camp. Exciting times man! exciting times. Really excited to watch big Jim come through today and the baby dubs. Let's go. It's a summer of champions, Sam. We're drinking all summer. <laughs> there you have it. All right, man. You have a great rest of your weekend. You too, Sam. Catch you later. Hey, guys. Real quick, before we sign off, we just want to remind you that there is no such thing as a fantasy offseason, only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season is already begun. We've got a team full of experts putting out some incredible content. So you guys, all you fantasy basketball players out there, football, baseball, um, get a jump on your prep. We're going to have incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well, but you got to join the premium membership team. So head to sportsethos.com now, click on the premium tab, grab your pass today. Seriously, it's only $5.99. It's just one extra lunch per month, and you just get access to all this incredible content. So once again, this has been the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast. If you haven't already, please give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you on the next one.